You are listening to How Does She Do It? Episode 71. Welcome to the ride. Thank you for listening to another episode of How Does She Do It? Through this podcast and my coaching, I help you own your story, live fueled by faith, and elevate your impact in your career and in your calling. If this is your first time listening, welcome. If this is your third, fourth, fifth, sixth, 71st time listening, welcome back. We are happy to have you. The show notes for this week's episode will be available at HowDoesSheDoItPodcast.com, and this is where you will find the links that I mentioned in this episode to any resources or anything that I mention. You'll also be able to find links to connect with me on social media, or you can open Instagram or Twitter right now and connect with me at Tiff South, and that's Tiff with two Fs. And feel free when you send me a message on when you follow me on Instagram, send me a message and let me know. Let me know that you found me through the podcast, and let me know how I can support you. I really enjoy connecting with you guys there. I post stories every day on Instagram and I really try to interact with you through there because it, have to say, it's a lot faster than responding to the emails that come in my inbox. But you can still email me at Tiffany at HowDoesSheDoItPodcast.com and I look forward to hearing from you there. And I'd also like to just say quickly thank you for your five-star ratings and reviews in the Apple Podcast app. Continue to leave those ratings and reviews. They really mean a lot. They really help with the visibility of the show. And I'm happy to say that we have over 160 ratings in the Apple Podcast app. So let's get that number up to 175. Let's keep pushing it. And it's all because of you. It's not me rating and reviewing my own show that many times. So I really appreciate it and it means a lot to me. It means a lot to other people who are looking for a podcast that have certain kind of content and it shows them that people value this content. So thank you. Thank you so much. And now let's get into this week's Just My Thoughts. Just My Thoughts is the segment of the show where I share my reviews, recommendations, or rejections of something that I've encountered on social media or in my reading or anything like that. But this week I am recommending getting dope people in your circle. If you listen to podcasts, if you follow podcasters on social media, you may have seen that this past week, Podcast Movement, which is a conference that happens every year for podcasters, was in Philadelphia, and I uh, live in the area. And so I was able to see some of my really good friends who are who have other podcasts. And although I didn't actually get a, to attend the conference for reasons that I will share in the main part of the episode, I was able to have dinner with members of my mastermind, also known as my friends, also known as Rich Jones, who is the co-host of Paychecks and Balances. Um, Stephen Hart, who is the host of Trailblazers.fm, and Kwame Christian, who is the host of Negotiate Anything. I also saw Amy Joshua. I met some new people. I saw Barry from Pods, Pods in Color. I saw a lot of really great people, and it was just a really great event. I also met people who I've been following on Instagram who I didn't know they were going to be here at a podcast meetup. So it was just a really great experience. But the important, the takeaway from me or for me rather, was the importance of having people in your circle who will push you forward and talk about you even when you're not in the room and who will say good things about you. And to that point, I also want to shout out Kenneth L. Johnson, who is the 
is the president and CEO extraordinaire of East Coast Executives, which is a diversity a diversity search firm. And he is our producer of the radio show that I'm on. And he has been pushing our show forward. Our show is going to be featured on local television in a couple weeks. So I say all of this to say that it is so important that you surround yourself with the right kinds of people. It is so important that you keep yourself in a circle of people who will push you and challenge you and encourage you and like stretch you and keep you growing little by little out of your comfort zone or sometimes just telling you to step all the way out of it. And I am so grateful for the people that I am surrounded by. Minda Hartz, uh, Patrice Washington, who is not someone who I communicate with every day, but I know that she is someone who has been encouraging people that I know. I follow people like Maya Elias on Instagram and, um, and uh, Marshawn Evans Daniels and Priscilla Shire and Crystal Evans Hurst and all of these people. And I say Paul Carrick Brunson, and I'm saying these names not, and these are not people that I interact with every single day. Chris Daniel, who is a new person who is in my kind of encouraging circle, uh, Shauna Robinson and Rachel Rogers and Callie and Brittany. I say all these, these names, not because I don't communicate with all of these people every single day, but they're people that over the last several months or last several years, I have interacted with in some way, shape or form. I have absorbed their content. I've taken what they are teaching, what they're sharing, and I am learning from it and getting motivated by it or being actually pushed by it or having them review my copy or having them update my brand and all of these different things. And I know I've said a lot there, but what I want you to take away from it is assessing who's in your circle. Who have you outgrown? Who do you need to move towards? Who do you need to shift around? Who do you need to ask for support from? As I say this, I'm thinking about Clarence Lee, also known as Marcus, when I when I knew him when he was in medical school, who is running a a new conference and who is on his second book and who is also a director of of clinics in California and doing all these amazing things. And these are people who are moving well in their own lane and still pouring into me as I go to them with different information and and I'm doing the same thing for them. I and and so if you don't have people like that around you, you have to question why. You have to ask, what am I contributing to the circle that I am in? And do I need to step my game up? Do I need to move away from the circle that I'm currently running in towards other people? And if you want help thinking about that, send me a message. Hit me up on Instagram at Tiff South, Tiff with two Fs. Send me an email, Tiffany at how does she do a podcast.com. Connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm actually, I actually have the handle at Tiff South on LinkedIn as well. But I say that because it's sometimes it's not it's not easy to expand your network. It's not always easy to expand your circle and sometimes it requires you going out on a limb, sending a message to somebody you might not otherwise send a message to and knowing how to make that initial introduction and not necessarily making an ask. Also, Stella, who is running a career coaching company, I connected with her on on via Instagram the other day and we had a phone call and she used to put up these, these cartoons that I thought were amazing that would describe these really real life scenarios at work, almost like a comic strip type of cartoon. And so I followed her content and just learned so much from her, even in our short short conversation and look forward to continuing to talk with her more. But I just mentioned all these people that I can think who have poured into my life, Alberta Bertolino, who is, or Alberta Bloom, I should say, 
who is another host on the the Career Seeker show, which is the radio show that I have the pleasure to be on. And there are so many other names that I did not say. And I have been abundantly, exceedingly and abundantly blessed to have people placed in my life by no accident. I believe that everything happens for a reason and that God works all things together for good to those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. So even in those happenstance or appearingly that's apparently is not a word. Even those those circumstances that may appear to be happenstance, you there can be something gained out of those interactions and conversations. So I just want you to I just want you to think about who is in your circle, grow your circle, shrink it if it has too many people in it who are who are not of the right energy, who are not of the same mindset, and really grow grow to push yourself, grow to take yourself out of where you where you are right now and think about how do you need to push yourself a little bit further and who can help you do that. And like I said, send me a message at Tiff South on Instagram, Tiffany at how does she do it podcast.com to help you figure out who's in your circle and who needs to change, who needs to come in and who needs to go out. And sometimes it hurts. Sometimes you have to cut people loose. Some people, people might tell you that you act in brand new and you know what? And that's fine. As long as you do, you do these things in kindness, you're not doing things to be mean to people. You're not changing, you know, changing circles because you think you're better than other people, but there will come a time where you outgrow the space that you're currently in. There will come a time where you have to add new people to the mix in order to push yourself towards the the direction that you want to go because you can't learn things that you, you can't learn new things from people who have not done or who are not trying to do the things that you're trying to do, right? If you are trying to learn to become, you know, a a triathlete, you can't learn from somebody who's only been playing basketball their whole life. That basketball player might have a lot of great experience in basketball, but if you're trying to learn how to swim, bike, run, do all these other kinds of things, you have to change, you have to change trainers, you have to change your regimen, you have to change what you do and how you do it. And so I I hope that that was encouraging. I didn't expect to go off on that little tangent there, but uh, especially for as long as I did. But my recommendation for this week is to evaluate your circle and figure out, identify one person that you want to add or develop a connection with in that's not currently in your circle and think about how you can make that connection. And I'm not necessarily talking about celebrities and people who have their names all over social media and all that kind of stuff. Think about somebody who is somebody who is a little bit, uh, who is a level above you, but who's still probably approachable. There are a lot more people like that than we think in our network that currently exist in our network that are connected to people we are already connected to. But so many of us don't don't take the time to evaluate those networks and to think about how to make those connections or make that initial outreach. So, um, and maybe I'll talk about that on a future episode, but that concludes this week's ranting, just my thoughts. I mentioned on the last episode that I am in a particularly busy season. If you're listening to this episode, it is being put up at the beginning of August. And in the work that I do as a recruiter, this is a particular busy time for our for our department and for our team. And in this time, one of the things that I have the opportunity to do is to review hundreds of resumes over a very short 
period of time. Within a couple of weeks, I going through a number of resumes from people with all kinds of experience who are looking to get entry level positions in uh, in the law firm. And so, in the course of this this review and over the last several years, I always make observations about some of the things that I see in resumes and not specific observations, but something trends that I start to notice. And so I wanted to share just three very practical tips for your resume that are not quite, not so obvious, right? We're not talking about formatting. We're not talking about bullets. We're not talking about bolding or using Times New Roman versus Arial versus Courier New Font. We're not talking about those things. But we are, it's important to think about your resume as a living document, first and foremost, that reflects some of the work that you do in, that is positioned in a way for the type of position that you are trying to apply for, right? So you should always have at least, I would say, three different versions of your resume. There's a really long version that's properly formatted, but that includes a lot of your work experience and things that are not necessarily relevant to one type of position or another, but that really chronicles your entire work history. You should have a a one-page version of your resume, and then you have that longer, that two-page version of your resume, unless you're talking about being an academic or you have another serious type of work experience. You should be able to get most of what you need accomplished between one and two full pages of a resume. So getting outside of that, and I'm going to get into more specifics about the pages and minute. The first piece of advice that I can give you that is not so obvious, but it's something that people get, people miss the mark on a lot on their resumes is to number one, get specific. In other words, think about your role and the results that you helped create for your role. People who are reviewing your resume, no matter what kind of position you're, they're reviewing it for, they want to know what you did and the results that you achieved with some pretty significant detail. You, I see a lot of times I've seen in resumes that you improved processes and efficiencies, but you didn't just improve a process. What processes did you improve? How many did you improve? What did you improve by what metrics did you improve those processes? In what time frame did you do that? How many people were people are on the team that you managed or the project team that you were a part of? How much did you money did you raise? How much money did you save? What was the dollar amount associated with the budget that you were working with? What was the amount of the deal that you closed? What was the amount that was on the account that you helped acquire? All of those different things. How many resumes did you review? How many people did you interview? All of those kinds of things. In our respective positions, there are a lot there's a lot more quantifiable data than a lot of us really think about because we're just thinking about kind of the the big picture of the work that we do. But you want to get very specific and even beyond just numbers, one of the things that you also want to think about is how the role that you're applying to is directly connected to the current experience that you have. And so if you're not getting specific in the contents of those bullets on your resume, the person who's reading your resume is not going to be able to make that connection between your experience and the job that you're applying for and be able to say, oh, this person can meet us in the middle. This person can fill in the gap in some of the ways. And it's not because you necessarily don't have the experience, but a lot of us are just not necessarily skilled at expressing our experience to the best of our ability, at making ourselves shine on a resume. Or because a lot of times we're like, oh, that's a give it. I know what I do. But 
you're not reading your resume for the sake of hiring you. You're writing your resume so someone can hire you. So you have to anticipate what are what sounds too vague in this bullet point. What could I explain a little bit better? How can I break this process out in a lot more detail? Many of us hesitate to do that because we make assumptions about the value of the experience that we have. We minimize it or we downplay it or we say, oh yeah, that, that they'll get that. Do not make that assumption. Even if you're applying to a role that's in the same industry, that you know people, that there are terms that the person who's reading your resume is going to be familiar with, give them a clear, detailed explanation of what your experience is. Otherwise, they they're not going they're not going to be able to fill in that gap. They're not going to be able to assume experience that is not listed on your resume by virtue of your title or the company that you worked for. If it's not listed there, I can't make that assumption. So we it's important that you break out that detail. It's important that you really make it clear what your experience was especially as it connects to the job that you're applying to, not just your experience for the sake of you saying your experience, but how does this experience does it use the similar language as the job you're applying to? Is it connected in any way, shape, or form? And you want what you're describing as your current experience to be able to speak to some of the things, speak to truthfully now, I'm not talking about making up experience here, but you want it to speak to and have a connection to the work that you're trying to do. The next thing that you can do to make sure that your resume stands out is to make sure you're not selling yourself short by sticking to just one page or don't sell yourself short on a one-page resume. The challenge that a lot of people have and a lot of the resumes that I see is that because there's this desire to be on one page, there is an inadequate amount of information included about the roles that you have. There is too much white space on the page and not enough bullets underneath the job descriptions. And it's not to say you need 37 bullets between you know one, one position or one job that you've had, but... If you are trying to be succinct, being succinct does not mean you should be vague. Being Using fewer words and fewer bullets when describing your experience does not mean that you should not be able to give good detail. One of the things that I do with my clients when it comes to their resumes is it, they come to me not because they don't have you know really great experience, but they come to me because they don't know how to express that experience. They don't know how to put and translate the work that they have done onto a three or four bullets in a on a resume. And so, like I said, a lot of the work that we do is really fleshing out the detail. Tell me more about that. What did that look like? How did you do that? How did you get that done? What were the time constraints? How was that project? How did that project evolve? What was your role in that project? And asking those kind of little micro questions in order to get one good line that explains something really, really well so that when someone reads it, they're like, oh, that makes perfect sense. So I say, don't sell yourself short on one page. Your resume can be one page. Like I said, you should have a version of your resume that can be on one page. But if you're going to go on to two, don't just give me a whole bunch of nonsense that's not relevant either, right? So that's the thing. It's a balance of at any point, no matter how long your resume is, it should be concise, it should be well-written, and it should really do a good job of explaining your experience. It can be difficult. It's not easy to do. It's not intuitive. This takes hours of practice. You cannot update a resume in 15 minutes unless that resume has already gone through hours and hours of iteration and and review and checks and cross-checks and evaluation and up and down. So 
All that to say, don't sell your short, yourself short just because you want to get your resume to two pages. Do not be afraid to explain. Do not be afraid to cut stuff out that is not relevant to the position that you're applying to. You don't have to dump the whole kitchen sink onto your resume either. So it's a balance. What is important to this role? What's going to present you as a well-rounded candidate? But what's going to show and highlight the best of the experience that you have to offer as it relates to the position that you are applying for? So maybe you're maybe you're putting yourself up for a board position in a nonprofit organization. That resume should look different than the resume that you're putting together to apply for an internal you know recruiting job at a Fortune 500 company. Those resumes should look different. One resume should emphasize your volunteer experience. It should emphasize your community service. It should emphasize the leadership positions that you've held inside of work and outside of work. The other one is going to talk more about your direct work experience. So as you think about crafting your resume and adjusting it, that's why I said when you have multiple versions, you can pull bits and pieces of of what makes the most sense. I have a version of my resume that has many, many bullet points about my about my speaking experience. That's for a very specific type of opportunity that I'm going to use that for. Or I'm going to pull select experiences from there in order to highlight them in a smaller section on another version of my resume. So give and take, be flexible, but make sure at the end of the day, no matter how long your resume is, do not sell yourself short. Get specific, get relevant, describe your results, and don't be afraid to toot your own horn. This is exactly where you want to be able to do that. And the third way that you can make sure that your resume is on point, and this is not really about your resume specifically, but you should be regularly reviewing and tracking what you do. This is one of the hardest things for most people to do because we are so busy running, 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 doing, 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 working, 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 that we don't actually take time to think about what we've actually done at any regular interval. And so what happens when we do that is after six months of being in a job or six months you know, past a certain time period, when you try to look back and think about the thing that you did six months ago, you're going to remember very few of those details. Within a week, you forget very few of those details. And so what's important is that at some regular interval, you are keeping track of what you do and what you, the projects you worked on, the accolades you've received, your volunteer experience, your speaking engagements, the panels that you've been on, the presentations that you've given, the trainings that you have been a part of, both as a trainer or as an attendee. And here's why. None of those things in and of themselves or all together are going to end up on your resume. But when you are talking about being able to to review and pick and choose the best things to highlight about what you have done for a specific role, that is when you want to be able to have some place that you can go to that has most of the stuff that you've done, that keeps it in great detail so you can pick and choose. I had someone tell me the other day, that a position that she ended up taking outside of the company that she was at, it did not speak to the this thing that she had spent her spent 10 years of her career doing. But over the course of the last three or four years of her career, she started to seek out very specific experience to position herself for an entirely new different new opportunity. And what did she do on her resume? She put those bullet points on her resume that did not make up the bulk of her experience, but they highlighted 
what she needed to get that next job. They highlighted experiences that were relevant to the next job that she was going to. Had she just done those things and tossed them away, she could have sat down with her with her resume when she was ready to apply for the job she currently has and be like, oh my God, I've never done any of these things. But she kept track of what she had done. She kept track of the new experiences that she gained. And so she had some place to go to in order to make that information come to life on her resume when she was applying for a new position. So the good thing is that I've actually created a worksheet and a template that helps you do exactly this. It's something that I use. It's something that I was kind of, the idea came, was given to me by a partner years and years ago at a, um, at a, at the law firm when I was an associate, but I've adapted it over time to really highlight and kind of work in categories. So if you go to, actually, if you text TIFF South, and that's TIFF with two F's to 444-999. Again, text TIFF South to 444-999. Then you will receive a copy of this worksheet and kind of the steps that walk you through it. And you'll be able to create a Google Doc of this template that I'm talking about for yourself. And it's something that has been very helpful for me when I look back and I've been keeping this document since 2011. So it has a lot of the experience, and I, I probably could update it a little bit more detail than I have, but it has a lot of the experience that I have had over the last several years because I can't I can't remember everything that I did when I was a first year associate at a law firm. I don't remember every single thing that I did when I was working uh, in in as associate director of admissions, diversity and inclusion at a law school. I know generally what I did, but when I want to go back to the specifics, oh yeah, I did help lead that project. Oh yeah, I did write that many. Uh, letters to opposing counsel. Oh, I did. Those things are in there. And again, I'm not necessarily putting those specific things on a resume, but when I need that that reassurance that I've actually done some really cool things in my career or when I need to be able to craft or adjust certain things that I've done in order to fit better with the kind of experience that I'm trying to get or for the role that I'm trying to apply to, then that's what the, that's when that document comes in handy. I have the panels that I've spoken on. I have the speeches that I've given, the keynotes. I have all of those things in there because I don't have to keep it all in my brain and I will be able to pick and choose if I'm trying to put together, you know, a list of talks that I've done at colleges and universities. I have a document that shows all of those talks, right? So that's how that's how that thing will be, that's how that kind of document will be helpful for you as you no matter what type of career you're in, no matter what lane that you're in, it's so easy because we're so close to our own flyness, right? And I'm not take I'm not backing off of that. You are so close to your own flyness that you diminish or and and dis and dismiss some of the amazing things that you've done not because they're not actually amazing but because they they're too close to you they're just you're just you're they're too familiar to you but when you read them off to somebody else they're like yo that's mad fly but you don't see it that way because it's like oh yeah i just that's just that's just tuesday no no it is just tuesday but it also is that fly so i want you to take from this episode of really thinking about how to make sure that you are maximizing the way that you're presenting yourself, even if you're not getting ready to apply for a new job right now. This tracker is something that is going to be really helpful for you because you never know when a new opportunity is going to come up. And you do not want to be somebody asks you to send you a copy of their resume and you do not have a full 
two hours to devote to updating it. You do not want to put together a little raggedy resume for somebody that's asking you for it. So you want to always be, you want to always be ready, spend, you know, a couple times a year updating your resume, but several times a quarter updating this kind of tracker to make sure that you are keeping up with your own experience and not forgetting or dismissing some of the stuff that you've done in your work. So just to summarize those points really quickly, the first thing that you want to do is get specific. Use numbers, even if those numbers feel small. Use different ways to be to have metrics in your resume and make sure you spell out in detail the things that you did. Don't just let people assume because you used the word process that people know what that meant. Spell it out, be specific, give more information. The second thing that you want to do is don't sell yourself short in a one-page resume. Just because it's one page does not mean you have to be vague. You can still be concise and specific in a one-page resume. And also, it's okay if your resume is two pages. Make sure it's two pages full of real value and information that's going to actually help tell the person who's reading your resume about your experience and not just filled with stuff that doesn't matter. And the last thing that you want to do is keep track of your experience on a regular basis. Regularly review what you do in your job and download the career tracker if you text TIFF South, TIFF with two Fs to 444-999, then you will be able to get a copy of a template that's going to help you do just that over the course of the year. Thank you for listening to another episode of How Does She Do It? Um, And I appreciate you listening to this point in the episode, but before I wrap it up, I had to say rest in peace to Nia Wilson and her sister Latifah. Nia Wilson was 18 years old um, and she was murdered last week as of this recording by a man on a while she was waiting for a train in California. And I won't go into the, the details here, but I had to say her name. Um, I've avoided reading in detail much information about this, not because it's not important, not because Nia's memory does not matter to me, not because her sister's recovery does not matter to me, but because honestly, it is, it's another instance of having to figure out how to protect my own energy while still praying for and, and, and caring for the lives of others. And I, it is, as you can hear, it, there's there's not much to say. There's not much to say, but black lives do matter. Black women matter. And this time that we are living in is not a time to be taken lightly. And so I end this episode with another reminder. I feel like I've had to have this conversation so many times since I started this podcast in 2015, but to to stay safe, stay prayed up, remember whose we are, remember the God that we serve, remember your communities, and remember that even as heavy and as negative and as oppressive and as racist as so many things can be in this society, this world is not our permanent home. And I pray that 
you are able to find peace as we deal and continue to be confronted with the hatred and the 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 things that come at us every single day from so many different sides but remember that God is good in all things even when those things mean and include tragedy and death and and circumstances that just seem like there's no end to them so with that I want to thank you for listening to another episode of how does she do it I appreciate you I thank you for your support please share like and rate this podcast and until next time be blessed and be a blessing peace